everyone. Hey everyone, I'm Emily. And I'm Maria, and this is the Open Plan Podcast. We're excited to have you here. Join us in navigating life and architecture as young professionals tackling career, education, social lives, and everything in between. Keep up with us on Instagram at Open Plan Podcast. So now let's get into it. Hey guys, welcome back to Open Plan Podcast. Hey everyone, thanks for being back on the pod. We're super excited that you're here um, and we're back with another episode. Um, Today we have a really special interview, but before we get to that, we want to do a little bit of a catch-up session. Um, How have you been, Emily? What's going on? Um, I've been good. I'm trying to think of right before this, we're like, what have we updated everyone on since our last podcast? Um, but since then, I don't think I mentioned that I passed my fourth ARE exam. <laughs> oh, big so, news, guys! Yeah. Oh my gosh. So I'm so jealous. Analysis. <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> it's been a journey, but um, yeah, we're gonna do like an ARE episode soon. I think just a series, maybe starting yeah. off with like how to sign up, eligibility stuff, then getting more into the exam. So I'll talk about it more then. But seriously, huge relief. I had trouble with this exam. I failed it once. This is the second time I took it. Um, And this time I actually had like an appreciation for it. And I was like, this is kind of fun. Yeah, you said (laughs) that to me. I was like, demonic Are you okay? (laughs) A lot of it was Was like logic puzzles. Yeah. Programming and ana- analysis, right? Yeah. I know Jose said That's- it was his favorite exam. <laughs> if you could have a favorite exam, like who says that? Yeah, it's kind of like the early part of a project. So mm-hmm. in, in real life, when you're doing it for a real project, it's actually fun. Um, I don't know if studying for it is fun. <laughs> well, you never know. But- you might you might like it. But no, a lot of it wasn't fun. Just some of it um yeah but yeah so that was some big news and besides that i'm just starting to study for the last two and just praying for warmer weather <laughs> i oh think we gosh i know rounded a corner but we never know we got face spring which means that real spring is on its way yes i can't with all these sprinkled days of <laughs> fake spring but it's yeah it's coming um yeah, so that's about it with me. And what's going on with you, Maria? Well, I mentioned last time that I was going to start a new job. So that happened. And it's great. I've been there for what? Um, um, like a month and a half already. Wow. Um, yeah, I feel very much like acclaimed. And is that what you say? <laughs> yeah, acclimated. Acclimated. <laughs> Wait, I'm pretty I sure acclaimed like... means like an acclaimed author. Like at first I was like, Dang. acclaimed. <laughs> I was like, wow, killing it. <laughs> I am acclimated. Um yeah. anyways. Yeah, it's been super fun. Really enjoy the team and the projects. I'm working on various different projects at different scales. I'm excited because I'm working on a house, like an actual residential, you know, single family which I had never done before. So I'm super excited to learn more about that, you know, client interaction and like what they envision. And, you Mm -hmm. know, I don't know. I think it's more personal in that way. Is it like a ground up or are you adding a renovation? It's a lake house renovation. So it's 
adding another floor, expanding. I mean, there's a there's gonna be a lap pool, so Whoa. I'm very excited. <laughs> so now you know how to design one if like I need one. <laughs> yeah. Anybody need a lap pool, let me know. Anyone um, need a lap pool? <laughs> and yeah, just working on like a downtown redevelopment and some restaurants. So really cool new experiences. Um, I'm very excited. This is pretty much exactly what I was hoping and looking for. So, oh yeah. Well, that's awesome. Happy to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we wanted to keep our update kind of short. I know me and Maria can uh, definitely chat all day, <laughs> but yeah. um, we have a really awesome interview, and we get into so many different topics. So. Um, we're first going to give each of our guests a little bit of an intro. So both of these uh, guests are at University of Michigan. Um, as you guys probably heard, we've done a few episodes, um, like student series from different schools, and we're trying to kind of expand that network and show, you know, give a, give a platform for different schools so everybody can learn a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Um and these are two of our friends that have, you know, started their master's program at University of Michigan. So this past fall. Yeah. We wanted to talk to them, catch up, and we're really excited. So one of our guests is Colin Garnett. He's a first year MRC student at the Talman College at University of Michigan. Prior to enrolling at Talman, he received his BS Arch from Georgia Tech, where he was in studio with me, and worked several years at May Architecture in Midtown Atlanta, where he met Emily. Colin is currently a graduate student instructor for professional practice, a designer and editor for Dimensions, Michigan's student journal of architecture, and previously worked as a CNC and water jet operator for the university's fabrication lab. Outside of architecture, Colin loves photography, riding his bike, and following Formula One racing. Timothy Peterson is a designer and aspiring architect from Raleigh, North Carolina. After getting his BS in architecture at Georgia Tech's College of Design, Timothy spent a year working for Perkins & Will in Atlanta before moving to Salt Lake City and working at MHTN Architects in their K-12 studio. Timothy is now studying at the University of Michigan for his Master's of Architecture degree while balancing life as a new dad. He's passionate about applying his skills and experience towards projects focused on design justice and community building. So we're really excited about this interview. Um, this was super engaging. It was great to catch up with them after, I mean, we went to school together in 2017, I think. Mm -hmm. um, and then I don't know when you worked with Colin. I think I worked with him in 2019. Wow. Yeah. I mean, we had not really chatted since like COVID and everything. So it was great to talk now that we're all more mature and like have, yeah you know, some some experience under our belt for sure but i love these um student series episodes because i think it gives such a awesome like transparent look into a school that you don't really get anywhere else like you can look at the uh, website you can look at promotional material for a school and i think it's just the best source is just talking to students there so we love doing these types of interviews and we hope you guys find it useful yeah, I definitely learned a lot of new things about University of Michigan. And I had done research yeah. there because I thought about going there. And everything they said, like, I had not even heard about. So we hope Some it's insider helpful. insider scoop. Yeah, very insider. <laughs> 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 uh, 
Um, and it was just very engaging. I hope you enjoy it. And so let's get into it. Hey guys, we're in the studio with Colin and Tim um, joining us from University of Michigan's graduate program. Not exactly in Michigan. Colin is remote right now in New York, but close enough. And we just wanted to say welcome and thanks for joining us. Thank you. I'm, yeah. I'm pretty stoked. Yeah, great to be here. Yeah, so we really wanted to have them both on because, well, we know them from um, our time at Georgia Tech. Um, I had studio with Tim and Colin, and Emily has worked with Colin before. So we started in Atlanta together, and now they're at University of Michigan in their master's program. Um, and we love doing the student series because we love to highlight um, the pros and cons of, of different schools because we know a lot of you guys are thinking about grad school and things like that. So we love to um, have this conversation and just hear more about University of Michigan and how they made that decision and what they're looking to do after that. So great to be here. Super excited and great to catch up with you guys because I feel like it's been a long time. <laughs> it's been a little bit. Yeah, yeah, it's really great. It's really great to see both of you. Um, yeah, it's been quite a while. Yeah, it's yeah. crazy how we all just like dispersed in the last two years, I guess. But a lot has changed. <laughs> like A lot has memory. changed in the past two years. That's for sure. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Oh, my gosh. Um, so we could get started a little bit with you guys just quickly going through a little bit of how you got to University of Michigan, um, I guess, from from Georgia Tech and, and onwards. We could start with Colin. Okay, yeah. Um, so after graduating from Georgia Tech, I stayed in the Atlanta area uh, for quite a while. I worked in Midtown for four years for a healthcare and higher education firm there, and that's actually where I worked with Emily. Um, yep. and that was great experience, but when, um, the pandemic kind of set in, um, it led to kind of reevaluating, uh, quite a few things in life. And so definitely like my career trajectory and what I wanted out of arch architecture was definitely one of those things. And, um, it's funny because, uh, Tim and I actually kind of colluded on going back to grad school and he can talk more about that, but kind of just reevaluated, um, like when I wanted to be licensed, if I wanted to be licensed, and what I needed to do to get there. Um, and so I uh, made the decision to go through the application process. Um, Tim and I did it together and kind of made a evaluation of all the schools and where I wanted to end up after, after school. So kind of is how I ended back up in grad school. Tim, do you want to talk any more about that? Yeah. So um, like like Colin, stayed in Atlanta for a little bit, worked at Perkins and Will. Um, and then I kind of had a, I kind of had a weird uh, employment situation with them. And before I kind of ended up getting that full-time offer from them, um, my now wife, Ellie, got a job offer in Salt Lake City. Um, so we packed up and moved to Salt Lake City, where I worked for about three years with MHTN Architects. Um, they do a little bit of everything, but I was in the K through 12 studio working on public schools out there. Um, then, yeah, Colin and I uh, had kind of been talking about uh, applying for grad school a couple years in a row. And then um, it ended up that we finally got to do it this year. Um, 
and we basically just spent a bunch of a bunch of time um, leading up to applications, kind of sending each other portfolios back and forth, um, writing essays, getting getting you know a new set of eyes on it. Um, and I think one of the reasons why we did that was just because of how daunting applications are, especially for grad school, where um, it feels like there's a little bit more, maybe a little bit more pressure on which school you pick. Um, especially just because like one of, one of the big things we were thinking about is just getting a new perspective, um, compared to our undergrad. So having someone go through that process with you is pretty, pretty clutch. Um, but yeah, we ended up settling on university of Michigan. Um, I think one of the big things that pushed us here was actually, um, some advice from John Paponis, the professor from Georgia tech. Um, I think he, he wrote both of our recommendation letters, um, and kind of had a pretty big impact on us. Um, that was actually the studio we were in together, Maria. Mm -hmm. Um, and he essentially told us, he was like, you know, if you have the chance to go to Michigan, um, especially if, you know, the alternative is coming back to Georgia tech, go to Michigan, they've got, um, some great professors and you want the different perspective. Yeah. Uh, and so far, we really liked it. Uh, I moved out here early summer, so I got to experience some some of the really good weather that Michigan has. <laughs> you know, since then it's been quite cold, but nice. Not too yeah. bad. That's awesome. You guys um, kind of uh, kept each other accountable and had a little like application process buddy through that because it is definitely hard and a totally different experience than undergrad. Where I don't think I submitted a portfolio for undergrad. Um, yeah, and so, which is kind of crazy to think about. It was a long time ago, but yeah, grad school is like you got to get the portfolio, your recommendations, and um, the essay. So I think in all things in architecture, it's always nice to have someone to feedback. So important, I feel like in our yeah. profession. And I and I think that like what you said about where you go to grad school, the school matters more than in undergrad because we've talked about this before where in grad school it's kind of like you need to figure out what you want and how that's gonna serve where you want to go versus like an undergrad you're kind of just like I don't know what architecture is I'm just all like general yeah Yeah, it's more general but in grad school I feel like schools are very different and you can get a very different experience depending on where you go um and so you really want to make sure that that's like it has everything that you're looking for um, or it has a space for you to do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. So that's really cool. And I, and I think that combining research like that, like you both doing your research and finding out what the best schools were, was really, really nice. I've yeah. never thought about doing that. <laughs> <laughs> I think the, the other thing to consider just when you're going out and looking at schools to apply for is kind of the, um, the connections you can make in certain cities. So Atlanta versus Ann Arbor might be an interesting choice, um, considering there's a lot more architecture jobs in Atlanta. Um, so we were kind of just balancing the new perspective we get with maybe fewer connections in the immediate vicinity that we wanted mm-hmm. to work in. Um, yeah, but- that was definitely a question we were going to have that the city you're going to school and how that impacts like internships and jobs and connections. Um but I think this is a good segue to just dive right into like why you guys chose University of Michigan, maybe certain points, what stuck out to you, I guess, maybe among other programs. Um, so it could just be, yeah, like anything, like just kind of run down the list of what you liked. <laughs> well, uh, I can pick up where Tim left off on this, but I think that for both of us, Michigan wasn't 
even on our radar until John Paponis mentioned it. Um, it. I feel like that that was the case. I'm trying to remember how we did our initial research, like our initial pass of like schools that we compiled. Yeah, I think there there was a bunch of the classic like you know top ten graduate yeah. programs and stuff like that, and then yeah. Um, I knew a couple people who knew people that went to Michigan that we talked to. Um, but yeah, I think it wasn't really on our radar until John mentioned it and then it kind of kept popping up. It was like, right. once we heard about it, it was everywhere. Yeah. And so, um, you know, we, we did do that classic, like top 10 programs and then kind of went to all their open houses. So it's like, a, I know you have both done all of this and you may have talked about it in previous episodes, but like, no. Just go to their info sessions, uh, ask mm -hmm. questions about the program, um, and talk to actual students if they do open house sessions um, and, and see what they think about the program. And then um, some of the other um, schools that we compiled on our list, like Tim mentioned, like for Michigan, uh, that we knew a couple people there uh, that we could talk to. And it's really helpful to get their perspective because they're not like, you know, affiliated with the university or they're not going to tell you what they think they need to tell you. Right. Um, so talk to a few people there, um, a couple of schools in California, just chatted with people we knew um, and what their perspective was on the school. And that really contributed to like the research side of things, in addition to whatever the school is going to publish uh, to tell you about their program. Um, do you want to throw anything yeah. else in there? Yeah, I think the the other thing that we looked into um was just kind of the geography of it all um like there was a school in california that we were thinking about going to and talked to a bunch of talked to a bunch of people in the area and it was it kind of came down to what kind of um like experience we wanted to have for the next two years actually living in the place mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. and you know for me knowing that we were going to have a baby midway through the first semester <laughs> made uh Ann Arbor seemed a whole lot more um, or a whole lot less intimidating than um, maybe a bigger city on the West Coast. Mm -hmm. But uh, I think kind of figuring out what vibe you want, if you want the big city vibe where you're, you know, you're taking, um, you know, trains and subways and stuff to get to class, that's one thing. If you want kind of, you know, a quieter place where you can focus on your work, you can really make some intimate, um, you know, uh, connections with your classmates and then go to a couple bars on the weekends. Like that's another thing. Mm -hmm. So, um, I think that kind of helped, helped us pick, um, Ann Arbor too was just kind of, we could focus on school and, um, you know, take advantage of the program itself. So do you like Ann Arbor? Like, I guess I've heard about it being a college town and I've heard of people well, like I've had friends who've gone to Michigan and they're obsessed with it and they love Ann Arbor and like the, the culture there. And do you feel like it's very much like a college town? Like um, everyone's kind of like, you know, affiliated, not affiliated with the school, but it, it seems like it's like, you know, run by this kind of like Penn State-ish maybe. Yeah, I mean, like, everyone's affili affiliated <laughs> with the school. I think like 70% or 75% of the population is either going to the school, they work at the school or they work at the oh, hospital. Wow. Um so it's it's very much a college town. Um, and like in the summer, it was a little quieter. And then when, you know, the undergrads hit, hit campus in the fall, things livened up a bit. Mm -hmm. um, but I personally love it. I'm um, I, I really like the big city and stuff. But this is at least at this point, um, 
is like a perfect place where it has the walkable downtown, has a bunch of, um, you know, kind of cute little restaurants and stores that you can, um, you can explore through. And then if you want to kind of get away and just go down the bike path down the river, you can also do that. So, um, it's got a little bit of everything, but not a whole lot of anything if that. That's, that's a great way of putting it. Yeah. I think it's a different that, experience in Atlanta, so that's good. You're getting like a little bit of both. Considering Ann Arbor on one end of the spectrum uh, of like places you could study uh, was very different than like we were looking at LA, going to school in LA. Like that's mm-hmm. obviously like very, very different. And I think that Ann Arbor has everything you need and it doesn't have too many distractions, if, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I was personally sort of worried about coming to Ann Arbor. I know uh, we talked about this a, a ton, uh, Tim, but like I, I was really scared. It was just going to be really, really quiet and really nothing to do. Um, mm-hmm. But that's mm-hmm. not really the case. You know, you get into your schoolwork, you're, you're focused on that. You make friends, you hang out. Um, it's got a great downtown area, uh, great restaurant scene. So um, there's plenty to do and it's it's been fantastic so far. I really like it there. Nice. Yeah. yeah, I lived in Michigan for a bit in my teen years, um, but we were definitely more like in the suburb area. But we did go to Ann Arbor a couple of times and I, I really enjoyed it even back then um, because there's just so much life from the universities. But it probably does get a little bit dead in the summer, which is probably the nicest time you could have <laughs> to go to Ann Arbor. <laughs> true. More yeah. Low key. yeah, where do students, I guess... Um, this might be hopping off our list, like order, but like, so for internships and jobs, where do people typically go um, that are going to school at Michigan? Like, do they, are there firms in Ann Arbor or are they going to like Chicago or like, you know, other cities around? There's, there's a couple of firms in and around Ann Arbor. um, And typically they're affiliated with the school. Like they, they're some of the faculty at the school will um, be practicing at those firms. Um, Mm -hmm. And obviously uh, we're, in close proximity to Detroit. So quite a few people will work there. Mm -hmm. Um, But one of the reasons that we did choose Michigan, I think, is its proximity to larger cities like Chicago and New York. And I think that we have a massive network in New York City and then also Chicago. So um, I think that that was one of the, you know, like especially comparing like Georgia Tech to Michigan as well. um, And obviously uh, out in California, uh, one of the bits of advice that we got when we were choosing grad schools is where do you want to work afterwards? And so if we had wanted to definitely end up in California or West Coast somewhere, going to school over there made more sense. But choosing somewhere that had a, I guess, better name recognition, more um, widespread across the U.S. was a big factor. And I think the Michigan's network and some of these larger cities in the Midwest and the East Coast was a big factor um, in making that decision. Yeah, I, I don't have, I think, I mean, Colin's doing this, um, this externship program right now, which you can talk about in a little bit, but, um, so he has more experience than me, but I think the, the career network or the career services that Taubman has is one of the things that kind of drew us in from the info sessions. Um, they, they really kind of touted their, uh, employability after school, Um, and kind of the network they've created. And I think some of that comes to the fact that Ann Arbor itself isn't necessarily a huge architecture destination. So people will go to school there and then they're kind of forced to go elsewhere. Mm -hmm. So there are Taubman graduates everywhere over the country because it's not like 
right? Like if they went to school in LA, there's probably a big concentration in LA, but there can't be a big concentration in Ann Arbor. So it kind of expands the um, kind of the breadth of work. I never thought of it that way. That's a, that's a good point. And they're probably very like invested in, in helping place students because of the fact that there's not that many opportunities close to their campus, right? Like if there's not that many places for them to work in, in Ann Arbor or in Detroit, they're probably making up for that by having the externship programs and career services like that, that for example, Georgia tech doesn't really even need because there's like a headquarters for every major firm in Atlanta. (laughs) Yeah. It seems like there's probably a good alumni group in every major city then or like connections to go to. So that's awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, Can you guys touch on maybe the faculty and, you know, the, did you speak to specific faculty before you went or did you know of certain professors or um, I don't know, is there any specific you want to talk about for that? Was it important to you or? Um, I think the faculty at Tompkins are great. Uh, I don't think that that factored into our search at all. I know that that's different from a lot of people. Like I, I know many people definitely come to Tompkins for faculty, um, mm-hmm. but that wasn't in our search effort. I don't think. Yeah, right. I'd, I'd agree. I don't think there was anything in or any person in particular, but like Han said, I think so far I haven't, um, I haven't had any bad experiences with the faculty and kind of the, the teaching style or culture has been um, pretty great. So no, no complaints on that front. So I guess if it wasn't the faculty, is there anything specific about the program that you know, obviously your decisions based on the location and employ- employment afterwards and all that stuff. But is there anything specific to the school that, you know, was one of the reasons why you guys decided to go there? Yeah, definitely. Um, it was so I, I jotted down a few of these factors, like trying to remember what had gone into our um, decision process. But I know for Tom and the things that st- stood out were like a two pronged uh, approach where we were not going to sacrifice anything going to Talman in terms of facilities or um, fabrication, which I know at Georgia Tech, there's a heavy emphasis on that. So mm-hmm. I think that there's also that element at Talman and their research they do with in that regard is great. So what we would be leaving behind at Georgia Tech, we weren't compromising on at all. And then maybe perhaps even the bigger aspect is Talman's focus on um, design equity and um, uh it has a very strong emphasis on social issues. And I think that that was something that we really, really were looking for in a program, just the, the consciousness of the program, mm-hmm. uh, especially when we were applying. Um, it felt very important to like kind of reevaluate why we were going to go to grad school and what we were going to get out of it. And I think that so far, um, everything that I've personally experienced in the program has reaffirmed that we made the right decision. I don't know. Uh, do you want to talk more about like other factors that drew us towards that? Yeah, I I definitely um, agree with the comment about kind of the inclusion and uh, more of like a design justice focus in the in the classes. Um, and you can tell that this is something that they've been kind of iterating on the last few years in particular. Um, a lot of the classes that we're taking that we're taking that are required classes, the on the first day, the professors will tell us that this is the you know, the second or third version of this syllabus that they keep, um, they keep changing every year until they feel like they get it, they get it right. Um, so that was huge. Agree on the fabrication. I think the, 
the other thing that was kind of more of an intangible for me was, um, you know, sitting in on these info sessions and listening to the people um, that work here, or go here, talk about the program. It kind of feels like they have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder, not being one of the um, more talked about programs. So it really feels like they, they kind of have this underdog mentality of, you know, we're just as good as everybody else, but we don't feel like we get that recognition. Mm-hmm. Um, so like you said, maybe it's, it's the fact that they're in Ann Arbor and not New York, but um, they seem to be really working hard on kind of all fronts to improve the program constantly and on kind of all fronts. It's not just a marketing thing. It's from kind of the inside out They're They're doing some good stuff. Hmm. Wow, very interesting. Yeah, that's something you don't really um, think about initially. Like you think about the program and the classes and the faculty and the location and stuff like that. But um, I think it has a huge impact on how professors teach and how they prioritize things in school. Um, So if there's like an underlying thread of of that kind of purpose, I think it's really, really important. Mm -hmm. It kind of differentiates it from other programs. Yeah. So that's really great that you're like, perceiving that from from being that there um when did you guys actually start your semester did you guys start last fall mm-hmm. okay cool yeah save one more year after this right nice so what's the um studio culture like i guess um do you notice any differences between you know for your undergrad and grad and oh wow interesting yeah we love hearing this i can't wait to hear (laughs) this is is something we're still trying to figure out of like what the root cause is um because it's in this covid world like it's tough to tell what is a response to this new way of life and kind of all the stresses everybody's going through and what right. has been here for years, it's especially like with a program layer. that's only two years. So there's, it's not like there's many people we can talk to that were here before, but one of the big things that we've noticed and we like keep kind of talking to each other about is like, it's the studio culture is so like less critical than kind of the stereotypical architecture experience. Like there's the, um, like the desk crits are very kind of, honestly, they're just like very productive and they're, they don't really tell you what's wrong. They just kind of keep pushing you on ways you can improve. But the, um, like the final reviews were, uh, noticeably nice. Um, <laughs> positive vibes. Very positive. <laughs> and really fun and not stressful. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it could be. So like like the, the first mid review, I was like, Colin, there were people that probably should have had, you know, some negative comments on their work and there were none. And I don't, I don't know what that means. Like was wow. my work bad and I didn't get the negative comments either. Like, I don't, I don't know how to <laughs> respond to this. Um, but we don't know if we, we, we kind of think that's an in, internal thing. They're saying like, you know, we're trying to make life on all these students a little less stressful um, and focus on the positives, not on the negatives, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> yeah, it's very different. So um, wow. Yeah, it's it's notice like noticeably not the toxic culture that you would stereotypically associate with architecture school. And again, like it's hard for us to assess what this is. Like we don't know if it's the difference between undergrad and grad school. We don't know if it's the difference between um, our previous experience and and this new school uh, coming into a, a different like atmosphere. And we don't know if it's like COVID. It's probably a combination of all of these things. So um, mm-hmm. I'd say 
it, it's been surprising in a, a very pleasant way. I mean, I've had multiple instructors literally tell me like, you know, like studio is not the end all be all, like, please take some time for your own mental health. Like, I feel like the priorities, wow. like the priorities here are very clear. And um, I really appreciate, like, yeah. I really appreciate it. That's yeah. Awesome. And outside of studio too, the other classes also have a, um, a pretty clear uh, policy on, you know, if you need a day, take the day, just let us know beforehand and um, we'll figure out how to, how to make things up. But it's, I can't, I don't believe this. <laughs> great. And again, like, like we had the, we had the baby halfway, like, during yeah. the review for first semester of grad mm-hmm. school, which was really stressful. And I got to take the whole week and I just kind of emailed all my professors and they were like, Hey, we'll work it out. You can, you know, do it at the, mm-hmm. the end the next week. Or honestly, if you just get in by the end of the semester, like yeah. that's not the important thing. So it's been very nice. Been very that's nice. Really nice. I don't know if it's like an industry wide shift in the last couple of years, like not just in our industry, but other industries that like, Maybe COVID had just put into perspective what really matters. And I think architecture is understanding that now too. Like even, you know, allowing remote work or more flexible work, like that's definitely happening in the workforce. I mean, Maria are going through like things that I could never I would never imagine like we'd be able to do, just like work from home whenever we want, or like there was just a very strict line before. And mm-hmm. it's kind of nice to hear that's kind of maybe Michigan's always been like that, but I hope that's trickling into studio culture too, that people have lives yeah. outside of studio yeah. that and you know you should work hard but can bend you a can little still, bit like you can still get a master's degree without the unnecessary like suffering and stress yeah, it could be and, a, an experience <laughs> right yeah i think that that's like a huge cult like um just mindset shift because from from the our professors like like that kind of generation that seems to think that you need to struggle and you need to like really go through tough times during studio to be an architect but like if we can show that that's not the case it's not necessary for you to become a great architect to go through that I think that's the important thing and so it just takes like someone or a school or whatever to kind of make sure that that is balanced and you want to do it differently and to prove it out and then Mm -hmm. you start convincing people otherwise so I think that's what's happening with firms as well I'm curious what what y'all's work life is like right now as far as in person or remote or do you guys have like required days you need to be in the office or? Um, Well, me and Maria are kind of in different like size firms even. So like I'm a part of like a more engineering, like really big firm. And I feel like it kind of tilts towards like, I don't know, maybe more like corporate stuff where it's like and an engineer is also very vocal about going back to the office. Like they don't want to. And, um, and people are very cautious. Like I'm in the Northeast and Philly. So everyone it kind of is grouped with the New York Philly vibe. Everyone's like really cautious about COVID still. Um, so yeah, I haven't been going in at all. I've been fully remote and they're just saying, I think starting in March, you can go in one day a week. Um, but even that my own boss is like, if you're not comfortable, just let me know. Cause, um, it's been working like the biggest thing is our productivity hasn't stopped. Like if anything, we actually did better this past year with people working at home, um, like I guess revenue wise. And so, yeah, my, my boss was like, I used to be one of the people that was like, Oh, people are going to slack off if they're at home. And then this past couple of years has just totally disproved that to me. So um, yeah, it's been really nice. I have like a home office and I'll probably go in like once a week, but 
um yeah i like yeah i'm in a a different situation my my previous job was more like emily's but we did have like fixed days i think it was wednesday and friday we could work from home and most people people did that a few people worked remote full-time because of you know they wanted to but it was it was really taking a toll on like the culture um but now i'm in a like seven person firm so uh, we all go into the office because it's actually more of like a, a studio vibe like it's very collaborative and we all um really enjoy seeing each other so um, but it's very flexible. Like if you're not feeling well, if you if you're just working on your own stuff and you want to go f- work from home for the afternoon, it's it's totally fine. Um, and our owners have ha- have kids, so they always have to like leave for doctor's appointments and like go do that, go do this, and then they give the, us that flexibility as well. So it's we're in the office, but it's very kind of mm-hmm. human in that sense of you have a life and you have things that you have to do sometimes. So. Yeah. yeah, I think that's that's definitely like a a silver lining of kind of this whole shift that we've experienced with COVID is people are starting to realize that the way that we've done things isn't the way we have to do things. And it's, I feel like just giving everybody flexibility to do their work the way that works best for them is going to be better for everyone in the, in the end game anyway. For sure. Yeah, I think it's an exciting time for architecture and our industry moving forward, like, you know, as our generation moves into like management level and, you know, what it could look like, I think it's really different. And yeah, it's been very refreshing. So we touched on the uh, externship thing that you're doing, Colin. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? I know um, Georgia Tech started making like mimicking the same program. So I'm curious to hear about what the original founding program is about. Yeah, definitely. So I'm joining everyone from Flushing, Queens today in New York City. Um, And I'm here for the externship program that University of Michigan Taubman College uh, puts together. Um, So the way the program works is that over your spring break, if you so choose, it's a totally optional program. You can go to a city of your choosing and work, uh, help volunteer at a firm of um, not of your choosing, but of uh, hosts host firm that the university has set up um, and you can shadow an architect or a designer for a week and kind of get experience see what that firm's like Um, and really it's about like going to a new city and getting some new experience Um, totally optional but they will 100% place you with a host in a city if you want to participate in it so I think it's a great way to uh, get some experience put another line on your resume Uh, I know that even within the college itself, there's some mixed opinion about it, but um, I I definitely think it's a great opportunity. So I'm here on my spring break, and uh, I'm going to be working for a fabricator designer uh, in Long Island oh. City. Yeah, oh, so they've fun. got um, they've got like a fabrication facility uh, on the river right next to Manhattan. Um, and so yeah, I, I mean, I just got here yesterday, uh, so I I can't really speak to the actual experience uh, that I'm going to have <laughs> this coming week, but I'm super stoked about it. Uh, I did partake in that program the first year it was instituted at Georgia Tech. And um, I mean, that was, uh, it was like a mixed experience. I'm, I'm glad I partook in it. But um, so far here at Michigan, I feel like they have, um, and I'm sure that program has evolved at Georgia Tech, but I feel like it was, there's was more rigorous in the like selection and placement process mm-hmm. in terms of what you're interested in, what you want to do. And then 
being in touch with the hosts. And so, so far it's been a pretty flawless experience, but yeah, I'll have to update y'all after this week. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I think I, I did it at tech as well. Um, yeah. I think in undergrad, so I'm not sure if they offer that, um, for the undergrad program at, at Michigan. Um, but it was great, especially when you're undergrad, you don't really have a lot of experience and stuff to put on your resume. Yeah. Um, that's something to put on there. And yeah, and I don't know how um, they market it in um, University of Michigan, if it's just like wherever you want to go. But at tech, since you're pretty much like paying your way through it, um, they suggest like, oh, you can go to a city where you have family that you can stay with or, you know, friends. Um, Or I mean, you can pay your way and go to New York City if you want, which I know people that do that. Um, But I really enjoyed my experience. And and it is kind of up to you um, to do what like what you actually do at the firm um and at that point the school is kind of hands off and you just communicate with the firm and and I just told them what I wanted to see and what I wanted to experience um but it's definitely like if your school has something like that definitely take advantage of it especially if you don't have a lot of experience especially like I said especially twice okay um (laughs) I think with COVID a lot of the undergrads that I've been talking to they're about to graduate and they haven't had a single internship because of you know there are no job opportunities for the last couple of years um especially in the summer so yeah great opportunity i'm glad you're gonna do it (laughs) yeah i was just gonna circle back and say they definitely do it for undergrads here so i'm actually going to be heading from here into manhattan to room with one of the undergrads that's in the program and notably he's going to be um doing his externship with Studio Gang here in New York, which oh, is awesome. It's, it's crazy, right? Like it's <laughs> the experience you can get from a program like this is phenomenal. Right. And mm-hmm. and you get your contacts there and yeah. you start building your network with people in That's crazy so cool. firms. Yeah. yeah. So um, yeah, fantastic. And I think that like an overarching theme of like my whole experience at Michigan so far is just like seizing every opportunity possible. And I think that that mantra was built into the fact that um, – you know, if we're like Tim and I discuss this quite a bit, if I'm going to go back to grad school, like my mindset has to be, you know, I'm taking advantage of the opportunities that are provided to me in this grad school experience. And we mm-hmm. spend so much time, you know, figuring out, do we even want to go back? Uh, what are we going to gain from this? Mm-hmm. And what can we ultimately turn this into? Like what opportunities will be presented to us? So, you know, like, this externship, whether you, you want to do it or not, it's another opportunity to take advantage of. So why not do it uh, in my, from my perspective? Yeah, I think I'll piggyback on that. And just one thing I see a lot at, in grad school so far is that there's a big difference between the people that are, like Khan said, like just taking advantage of it and people who are treating it more like undergrad where it almost feels like it's an obligation to go to school. And like, it's completely voluntary. Like, you obviously yeah. need a master's in, in most states to get licensed as an architect, but there are ways around that, like depending on where you live and how you kind of shape your career path. This is right. completely optional. So it it doesn't make sense to me to spend the money, spend the time, spend the effort and not get as much out of it as you can. So mm-hmm. that would be my biggest advice to anyone for grad school is just really like if you're going to decide to do it, like just go for it because you get a whole lot more out of it. It's a lot more enjoyable. And honestly, I think it makes it somewhat easier because like once you commit to it, it's 
it's no longer a chore to go to school. It's just kind of the next opportunity mm-hmm. and the next kind of thing you get to accomplish. So yeah. yeah. And it's your choice, right? So like just stand by that choice and and get the most that you can out of it. Yeah. That's a great, great advice, especially for grad school because and it's so short. It's like a very unique yeah. time in your life where you're not doing a traditional job. Like it's so cool. Like your schedule every day is different. Um I miss that a lot. Like just, you know, every day is different. You're walking around a lot more. Like you're actually like, it's so nice to be on a campus and yeah. And it goes by super fast. So yeah. you also get a little bit more freedom to kind of shape what you want it to be. You're, mm-hmm. you're, it's not quite as prescriptive as an undergraduate degree. The studios are a lot more open to, you know, they kind of give you a, a very, not vague, but a very, um, I guess, open, scope Mm -hmm. of a project and you can kind of run with it in any direction that you want to yeah so kind of having that mindset of of going for it on on every little thing is um definitely to your benefit definitely treat you more like an adult in grad school less hand holding and what about um some of the extracurricular opportunities that you guys you guys have taken part of aside from studio and externships yeah uh, i can start speaking about that um i know Tim, you've had your hands full the past semester, so you've kind of... His extracurricular is building a family. Yeah, basically. <laughs> I've looked into a whole bunch of Stop them. And I, yeah. yeah. So um, one of the ones that I'm involved with is called Dimensions, and it's the student-produced journal of architecture at University of Michigan. And um, the, I just really wanted to be a part of that effort. Like, there's no, like, special reason. Like, it just seemed, like, really really cool opportunity to be a part of because they just, you know, they produce an actual publication of architecture every year. And so I don't know, it just seemed like a cool thing. And it's one of those, it's the same thing that I was talking about with the externship, um, just dove into it. And I was like, why not? Um, so it's funny because like some of the efforts I'm involved with uh, in that regard are, are kind of similar to what we're doing right now. You know, you have to interview people, you have to, you know, I don't know, send a bunch of emails coordinating um, like submissions for the journal. Um, but basically we produce, um, we like select a certain number of projects each year to publish from student work. So some thesis projects, some undergraduate projects, and we combine that with ongoing research projects here at Michigan and then bundle that with some editorials from faculty and some guest lecturers. And so it just seemed like a great way to engage with a cross section of content here at Michigan mm-hmm. and, also hone my design skills and my layout skills, which are obviously applicable uh, to the industry and to my own portfolio. So I don't know. That was just another thing that was like, you know, it's there. I, they're not going to like penalize me for partaking in it. Like it's, I can just hop in this effort and like participate. So why not do that? So um, I, I think it's been great so far. Um, and then maybe uh, less architecture related, but I'm involved with um, the University of Michigan's uh, racing team, uh, like Formula Racing. Wow. So, oh, cool. Yeah. They have one? That's great. <laughs> yeah. It, uh, like Michigan has a huge engineering program and we're like actually on North Campus, uh, which is directly adjacent to all of the engineering facilities. So um, yeah, I hopped on over the summer right before I moved up here and I just asked them if there are any opportunities to be involved with design. Um and so 
I like designed a couple of liveries for their trailer and I'm designing one for their car right now. But it's just like, you know, like, again, it's like the campus is huge. The university is huge. Like there's opportunities to do whatever you want to. So like, why not do them? And so, um, I'm involved with with that and their their business team. So, yeah. How do you feel like balancing extracurriculars with coursework is going? Do you feel like it's doable or how are professors responding to it, I guess? Or what's your work balance, I guess, of the two? I'd say grad school is just so busy. It's like really, really busy. And, but in like a very productive and good way, um, I don't know, like the studio, like obviously you need to dedicate a ton of time to studio and a ton of time to your classes, but somehow it all works out. I don't know if that's like a testament to my like lack of like formalized time management skills, but like, I don't know, I I spend enough time on each thing and I kind of have a running priority list that I keep track of um, week to week. So it all kind of works out. I don't know. I haven't reached a critical mass where something has like been taking too much time. I don't know. Gotcha. Like, mm-hmm. I'd, I'd, you want to talk about that? <laughs> yeah. my, my time has been taken up with a bunch of a bunch of very different things. Um, so I worked part time through first semester, um, and had and had the baby. Um, I stopped working part time around the holidays, and this semester, um, since Ellie's going back to work, I decided to to not work at all. So I'm just work and dad. Um, <laughs> But like Colin said, I feel like grad school, it's a very different like um, level of intensity than undergrad in a way where undergraduate, because you were like focused on all all the other stuff that comes with going to college, um, school could sometimes feel very overwhelming at like very specific points. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas grad school is just kind of level, like it's pretty level. It's just kind of always intense, very busy. But um, like Colin said, I haven't felt like I've been swamped at any point. Like I haven't, even with everything else that's going on in my life, I haven't, you know, had a, had a breakdown. I mean, like I just, there's yeah. not enough time in the day. Um, there always seems to be, um, but it's a little more kind of steady mm-hmm. all the time. Um, and maybe this is a testament to a bit of advice that we haven't talked about yet, but something that both resonated with uh, myself and, and Timothy um, a lot of our mentors told us to, when we were considering grad school, even way back in undergrad, to work for a little while first. And I know that uh, you both you both had a combination of that experience. Like, I think you went straight through, Maria? Yeah. Question mark? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Horrible right. idea. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm no, done now. I think, I, think it's a, I think that it works different ways for different people. But for personally, sure. for yeah. me, I think that working first gave me a lot of time management skills and just priorities that I didn't have before. Mm -hmm. And I think that that really plays into um, my schedule now, just keeping a, just staying on top of all my tasks, you know, like it's, there's a very similar set of skills with juggling, like working on a whole bunch of projects in practice as there is to balancing the workload for multiple classes, I'd say. And so uh, just staying on top of things, keeping a calendar up to date and, and, always like you know putting in a time uh, putting aside time to work on things um i don't know it's yeah. it's been great so far you treat it like a job when you yeah. come from that background a little bit you just kind of time batch and yeah mm-hmm. it's very similar i think yeah i mean working... oh go ahead maria 
I was just going to say that even, even though I went through straight without working, um, I, I did feel like grad school was hard, but it wasn't at all as bad as undergrad because undergrad you are literally like going to college for the first time and figuring out all this other personal stuff and where do you live and where do you eat and how do you manage all of that like adulting and going to the doctor and like finances and making stuff like all yeah yeah. that by the time you go to grad school that's all like like that's all settled and you have like more time to focus on school so i definitely agree with that I think what I was going to say is I feel like I learned how to work efficiently while I was working. And especially when you're, you know, when you're working with a firm, I mean, everyone has different experiences, but there are definitely, I found there were definitely times where there were stretches where I was like, I don't, I don't really want to be here. I love this. I love the people I work with, but I'm just, I don't want to be doing this. So Mm -hmm. I would find ways that I could get my work done you know, very quickly. And I could kind of organize things in a way where I could kind of knock things out and move on to something more interesting. Um, and I think that directly applies to grad school where, you know, there, there are obviously going to be some homework assignments or readings you have to do that you're just not feeling. And if you can kind of systematically knock things out and check things off your list and focus on the exciting stuff like studio um, or whatever, it, it just makes it a whole lot more manageable. And those are, those are skills that really you just get over time. Um, I, I think that uh, another thing in addition to working for the last, you know, three, four years is just like growing as a person. Um, I think like what we were talking about earlier, just kind of committing to grad school is something that I, I don't know if I would have been able to do right out right after undergrad. Um, I think kind of knowing where I am in life and knowing what I want to do, being able to kind of just manage everything with a purpose is, is something that I've gained from taking that break between school. So I definitely appreciate um, grad school a little bit more than I think I would have. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think that's a great benefit of, of taking some time in between. I wish I could have done that, but <laughs> I will uh-huh. say I was I was I was very much on the the go straight through train. That's what I had planned to do until senior year at Tech, and uh, a bunch of professors were asking me what my plans were after graduation. And I was telling them, and it was just like one after another after another after another. We're like, don't do that. Take at least a year. Really? Else, and I was like, not a single person has agreed with my plan. So <laughs> maybe I need to reassess. <laughs> oh my yeah. gosh! Wow. Yeah. And then it got pushed back and pushed back and then COVID happened and my fears of never going to grad school because I was stuck in the work workflow were starting to come true. And then finally Colin and I kind of had the decision or had the conversation to make the decision and kind of we're going to do it no matter what. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Um, Can Um, we touch on TAs and um, like maybe funding and how that works at Michigan? I know every school does it differently, whether they even have TA opportunities or research opportunities. So we'd love to hear about if you're participating or what it's like there. Yeah, Um, I'll leave like kind of like the funding, like the initial funding part for you to talk about, Tim. Like, I guess, like the academic scholarships and everything, how that worked in the beginning. Um, But for me, I... Was in, I've been involved with a couple of different like funding opportunities. So last semester I did a uh, what is it called like the work study program, 
um, where I worked in the fabrication lab here at Taubman. I was a CNC and water jet operator. And so that paid an hourly wage. Um, so that's one option. Um, but now this semester, um, I'm involved as a TA, but they call it a GSI here at Michigan, which is like a graduate student instructor. It's just a little oh. technicality, but I'll refer to it as TA for now because <laughs> everyone knows what that is. <laughs> um, obviously, you can't be involved with that your first semester um, because you're new to the university. Um, you're not really familiar with the work going on. Um, you haven't really taken any classes, so you can't really teach a class or help teach a class. Um, but after that, you're free to participate as a TA. And so um, I did, and I submitted an application. Um, and I'm now helping teach a course called Professional Practice, which is obviously, y'all know what that is. It's a yep. required course at like Classic. every university. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Classic course. Um, but uh, it's been great so far. Um, my involvement with that course is like an administration role. So helping prep materials. I'm not really delivering content for that class. But um, yeah, it's it's a great opportunity. It's very competitive. Um, something I didn't talk about earlier is Michigan has a huge cohort. Uh, it was one of the reasons that I personally was interested in Topman is it has one of the larger programs, I feel like. I'm not aware of one that, that's larger uh, as far mm -hmm. as a two-year program. Well, there's like 140, 150 students. Yeah. Wow. It's, it's pretty yeah. big. Um, wow. Yeah. So, of course, the opportunities are going to be a little more competitive because there's mm -hmm. There's just not as many um, mm -hmm. compared to the student body, like percentage wise. So mm -hmm. it is competitive, but the opportunities are there. And um, I think it's great. We also, Michigan is a huge research institution. Um, and so there's a lot of ongoing research and notably Taubman's faculty um, head the research department for the entirety of the university. And so there are a lot of um, latent opportunities there. Um, so I think it's been great. I haven't personally, just because of personal schedule and then also taking up things like a TA position, um, I haven't been involved with much of the research here, but there's a ton of fabrication research. There's research into um, just like, I don't know, there's, there's a ton of research that goes on. Maybe you should cut that out No, because no. I'm blanking out of it. <laughs> Blanky out on that, but um, are but students yeah, like involved with the research? Like, could you yeah. like help a yeah. faculty member out with their research? I guess or yeah, absolutely. So there's there's roles. People will send out emails. They're like, hey, we're looking for a research assistant for this position. Submit applications. Nice. So, uh, and then we also have a running website that all these positions are listed on. So when they crop up, they do. But um, yeah, that's great that the application process is actually normal i feel like at tech it's kind of obscure yeah. um, the right place at the right time I've, I've never applied i just begged over email yeah, literally beg. people. <laughs> and then it was like okay yeah. but like Stay i never on their knew, radar. knew yeah what the opportunities were like i didn't have i didn't have a chance to pick it or you know it was very unknown and i i just i assumed it was like that for most schools but I don't know if it's because Michigan's so large that they kind of have to, you know, make it public and actually make it like a job. Yeah, it should be like a job of. listing. But yeah. yeah, I think that's one of the the things I've liked about Michigan is just their they seem to have like a policy for everything as for, or like a just a way of doing things for um, sending out applications or job opportunities or research opportunities to where um, 
you know, obviously if you filter out your emails, you're not going to get a lot of these, but I feel like we're constantly getting emails of these kind of cool things that are happening around the school that 90% of them, you could send an email in response and, you know, join and be a part of. Mm-hmm. Topman's uh, like academic and career advisors are also kind of like on top of their game for a lot of this stuff. So they would, they have a running website that lists all of the like scholarship or fellowship opportunities and they regularly update that. Um, we get a weekly email with any ongoing events that are happening at Topman. And um, a pretty, I think it's like a once a month email about like scholarship or funding opportunities. So it's like, I think the network is there uh, internally for support. Um, mm-hmm. So cool. Awesome. Um, so do we want to touch on maybe life after Taubman and what you guys are thinking about, um, whether it's a traditional architecture path or not? We did an interview with Danny Griffin and he went down kind of like a rabbit hole of like what he's thinking. And um, so, yeah, we always love to hear what you know future plans are and maybe if Toppin's helping out with that at all. So Is, is he going into a publishing route and becoming an author? <laughs> he should, he's just <laughs> children's <laughs> illustrator. <laughs> I think he found his calling, right? <laughs> I need a copy. I need a copy. I think he should. I need a copy. <laughs> yeah, you should definitely get one for your kid for sure. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think uh, I think for both of us, it's probably a little more up in the air at this point. But we were talking the other day. I've I finally took a trip to Chicago for the first time. Um, talking about the Chicago. connection to Ann Arbor, there's a there's a direct train line to um, you know the the main station in Chicago. That's that's pretty easy and cheap. Um, and I think getting some kind of opportunity in a bigger city excites both of us. Um, for me, I'm, we're trying to balance, you know, where we are in relationship to family and stuff, but with this kind of remote world we're in, like, there's kind of a lot of, a lot of opportunity to kind of live wherever you want to. So we're trying to figure out kind of the more, more the geography side of things rather than, um, you know, we're not tied to a particular city because of the, the companies that work there necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think as, as far as just like kind of general direction goes, um, while we were applying for schools and like we talked about, Taubman's very into kind of this design justice and kind of um, kind of doing good through design. Uh, I think that's one of the things that I'm, I'm really interested in. Uh, I think initially, you know, I liked architecture and I wanted to make money. Um, obviously not a ton of money because this is architecture, but uh <laughs> I was more focused on that as just like, how could I get a good job doing what I liked? But Mm -hmm. I think I'm definitely more focused now on figuring out a way that I can use the skills and relationships I've made in school to kind of better communities. Um, So like personally, my, the things that interest me more now are kind of more on an urban scale, you know, Mm -hmm. how are neighborhoods put together? How are community centers designed to, um, kind of encourage interaction and Mm -hmm. kind of, you know, cross pollination between cultures, um, which is something that I never really thought about before, even in undergrad. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think what, what I'll probably do and what I'm trying to use kind of the career network at Talman to do is, is find firms that um, are kind of located in cities that are trying to build that sense of community 
um, and kind of use their their power as a design firm to improve the spaces that they're working in. Um, and if that takes us to, you know, the East Coast or the West Coast or whatever, you know, we'll, we'll figure that out. Um, but also the, the other thing, and I'll just, I'll kind of keep going while I'm on a run, um, <laughs> is because we're all remote and, you know, I'm, I'm raising a son now is like, there's an opportunity to kind of just be a stay at home dad and work on smaller projects mm-hmm. as more of like a freelancer or an independent contractor, which is something that personally I've always, I've always wanted to be the trophy husband and just kind of, you know, <laughs> have someone else provide for me and (laughs) what I really like. So um, I'm trying to figure out how maybe I can, I can leverage the opportunity that we have in this world that is remote Mm -hmm. um, and kind of maybe live closer to family, get to raise my son a little bit more hands-on and focus on smaller projects that can maybe, um, you know, build our kind of portfolio um, from a design perspective and from a, kind of a development perspective and use that as a jumping off point for future projects later on down the road that are more, you know, design mm-hmm. justice focused. So mm-hmm, yeah. trying to figure out what the right stepping stones are, but um, really trying to take the opportunities that are here right now that might not be here in, you know, five or yeah. 10 years. Yeah. Now it's definitely the time to do that. I think firms are really looking for uh, contractors, right? Our consultants and, just really playing to a lot of flexible work where, yeah, you don't need to physically be there. And um, yeah, I've seen a lot of that recently. So good time. A lot of what Timothy said resonates with me, especially in what I'm looking for. I think geographically is less important to me. I've always maintained that I want to end up in a like large urban scale context, but I think what's more important is the work that I want to end up doing. Um, and for me, I think that's more public facing projects, um, something that has more, uh, implications on the community in which it's built um, and thinking through that urban scale, like Tim was mentioning. Um, So I think that for me personally, something that would be more um, maybe housing focused or civic focused, something that's more public oriented um, Mm -hmm. is what I want to orient my career towards doing. And I think that doing that in an urban context is especially important. I think a lot of the things that um, I'm taking away uh, from this experience at Tomman, but also just infusing with my own interests are maybe like um, just design for accessibility, um, design um, that's not siloed in its own context. So considering how it interacts with where it's built, you know, like too often in architecture, I think that we focus on just the, the one project that we have and mm-hmm. not really how that uh, evolves over time. And how it and its implications over time on where it's built, um, and so yeah, just giving consideration to all of this and the social infrastructure of your built work and how that factors into things. Um, I know my initial like provocations with architecture were not very deep. Like I think coming out of high school, I associated uh, like falsely architecture with art and like being able to like practice this thing that has like these practical implications, but it's still like this artistic trade and like through undergrad that definitely dissipated. Like I I don't have that sense anymore. Um, But I think that now with after working for a bit, um, and like I said before, healthcare and higher education, seeing how that 
works. Um, and now coming back to grad school, I, I think I'm more interested in the implications of architecture as a social science in a way. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, there's a built form, but uh, obviously the built form has impacts on people. Like you, you don't have architecture without people, in my opinion. And, you know, people are the most important part of that. And so uh, I think that too often in school, we also talk about like how architecture has this great uh, impact or like ability to, you know, eviscerate change. Um, I don't know. I, like finding a way to actually engage that critically, mm -hmm. I think is something that I'm super interested in. So maybe more like community facing or public facing dialogue happening. I think that part of architecture is very rewarding too, when you actually get to meet your users and mm -hmm. interact with them. And I totally agree with it being more of a social science and on a macro, yeah. more macro level than what they make it seem like at school, for sure. Yeah. I think we touched on this in Danny's interview too, about how like in undergrad, especially you're taught and you look up to and you try to mimic these very beautiful buildings that are like very artistic and great designs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Whatever it is. And, and they're like completely out of your context. They're like in Europe or in China or whatever it is. And um, and then you and then you learn that that's not what you're going to be doing when you start working. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and that you really need more depth to what you're doing to give you purpose than something that looks cool. Right. So it's it really is like it starts like artsy and then it, it comes down back to reality. <laughs> I really think it is a bunch of like art kids going into school not really knowing what it is though yeah <laughs> like, like this is basically art and maybe i'll get a job after it's really know. big art <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly I, i'm pretty amused because uh, tim and i have had some pretty uh interesting conversations recently about what constitutes good design but we oh. i don't think we should i don't think we should go into that we don't have time for that <laughs> uh. Yeah, it, I mean, it's probably not worth worth time in the podcast. I just think at the end of the day, like, it's all subjective as to what what is good and bad and what you value as good, whether it's more the artistic side or the more functional side or the more, you know, like relationship building aspects of, of a project. So discussing those is kind of, is is tough to come to any conclusions but um i think at the end of the day making something beautiful is great i i don't necessarily think that it's the most difficult thing in the world for a lot of people because there are some incredibly talented people that can do it i think where it becomes difficult is creating spaces that do more than just sit there as a collection of materials i think there are plenty of examples in the world of buildings that are now monuments because, you know, they were so spectacular when they were made and they kind of remain that way, but that's kind of all they do. They just kind of mm -hmm. sit there like an art piece mm -hmm. and you, you can't use them for what they were intended. And even if you did, they might not function the way they, they could have if they were thought of as less of art and more as, um, you know, a tool to bring people together. So yeah. There's a lot of different ways to look at it, but ultimately we, we have a lot, we have a lot more power, power than just creating an object. So, yeah, sure. yeah, agreed. I also think it's more of a responsibility thing too. It's like you are given that power and you, you need to be responsible and make sure that it 
it is serving the community that it's in and the site that it's in and the, the people that are going to use it versus 100%. just being pretty for other people from outside to come take pictures also, <laughs> and then you, leave. Yeah. yeah. When you consider the kind of the history that architectures played in, at least in the, the American context and kind of the um, kind of the systemic issues that we have, architecture plays a big role in creating some of these issues. So like you said, it's a responsibility to kind of take back that, that power and use it for, for good. So um, you guys are not starting a firm together? Is that what I'm hearing? <laughs> <laughs> we have, we've, we've talked about it. Wow. Part two of this podcast then. <laughs> it's like, where are they now? <laughs> we need to do I love that we're like hanging out and catching up after like maturing for the last like three four years <laughs> i feel yeah. like we're on a different level now. why is everyone aged so much in the last <laughs> couple of years so wise seeing some things <laughs> yeah. um i think we to wrap it up we can do our final question that we've asked uh, multiple guests and it's always really interesting answer um what would you guys change about the architecture industry? I know we've touched on a few things. A loaded that question for sure. We, but. yeah, that we see our problems and that are changing that we're seeing in our generation, but just in general. So I think I, I think I have an answer, but maybe maybe I can talk through it a little bit. Um, I think one of the things that really frustrated me about working in the industry specifically was the way that our time is valued and measured um, and how that kind of correlates to getting paid and stuff. Um, one of the things that I found uh, that happened often was because architecture is kind of it's billable hours. Um, if you're not actively working, you're not necessarily getting paid um, to a certain degree. I mean, everyone's you know salary or, or working situation is different, but Typically speaking, you work on a project for eight hours, you bill it for eight hours. And what that ends up doing is it's like de-incentivizing people to be efficient. Um, and it really allows people to kind of stretch out their time on a particular project or a particular assignment um, rather than kind of completing it and moving on to something that could be more more helpful. But where that where that struggles is because you're still tied to those billable hours, like People don't want to do that. Like, um, it's the projects that a lot of firms are working on because they're more business oriented are not going to be exciting enough for people to put in the hours necessary for that kind of work to happen. Um, so I wish there was a, a different way that we could pay people and kind of organize the system of an employee's time to where they can they can be efficient and go home if they want to, if they get their work done, or if there are, you know, exciting projects to bounce off, they can do that without um, worrying about the specific number of hours that they're working on particular projects. For sure. I don't know I if that was a time sheets. but timesheets time are just, Oh, it the, kills me doing them. About the death of motivation. Oh um, my gosh. Yeah. And you really have to think about like, Oh, 0.5 hours here. And I'm like, it's so hard. I'm like, sometimes you're doing like three things at the same time. Like, how are you? Yeah. And what about when you're this? sleeping and you're having ideas and you're thinking about your project? Like that that doesn't take into account, like, because it's 
it is we just we just said it wasn't art but like it it is kind of like it's a creative field so you you don't just sit produce and then log off yeah it doesn't work like that um and i think that in school they don't they don't teach you to do that so i don't i don't understand where the the like disconnect is because in school you're like you're immersed in it you're always you know thinking about things about studio you see something you go somewhere for something else and then you see something that inspires you for something about studio and and they encourage that to be very cross discipline and and things like that so like why is it that yeah. at work it's so stretched yeah and it's the same way for cds as it is for conceptual design and sd yeah. so like that makes no sense to me yeah. either like the hourly thing for producing drawings like in cd level or even ca sure maybe but maybe. like everything be yeah maybe if there's a better way we should do the better way but if like for the other earlier phases it, it really is just doesn't doesn't match with, yeah. with the work that's being done it's so demotivating yeah i've also felt that like the projects that i'm really excited about and enjoying working on i work so much quicker because i'm just excited about it but that technically means like Again, for for a while, I was an hourly employee, so I only got paid what I build. So if I'm working quick and enjoying the time on a project, I'm technically getting paid less than the guy sitting behind me who's not enjoying it at all and takes three times as long to do the same amount of work. Yeah. And I'm sitting there like, yeah. shouldn't I be rewarded for being you know, efficient, being efficient, and you know, kind of going yeah. the extra mile on this project? But technically, it's taking less time, so I'm getting paid less. Yeah. Yeah. It just that. It, it really doesn't mesh like you said maria it really doesn't mesh with the, the kind of the whole vibe of the the practice mm -hmm. oh it's way more fluid than that for sure yeah i think in a similar vein but maybe like on a slightly different note i think that architectural education kind of teaches you that there's no like uh, limits on your time and how much time you can pour into um, a project or an effort um, it kind of teaches you that your time is this un unlimited resource and it's not, right? So um, I know we talked about like the studio culture in Michigan is a lot better than I've experienced previously. But at the same time, the way like I, I love studio and I love working on projects in studio. But I think that studio is based on this like heritage of like the Beaux-Arts education where they teach you that your time is an unlimited resource and you can solve all of these problems as a single person. And I think that that's not true when you yeah. go into the industry. And so okay. our education and the whole model of our education is flawed. And then that has ramifications when you go into practice, either you, you get burnt out at a large firm, spending all your hours on a project and being overworked and taken advantage of, or you're chasing these projects, trying to start your own firm and they're super competitive and your time literally is an unlimited resource. You're not going to get paid unless you win that project or you win that competition. So like, where's the line? Where do you draw the line? And I think that the industry overall has this problem uh, with work and labor. And especially in America, like licensure, I think it's a very exclusive system. Oh, yeah. You know, the whole industry uh, is predicated on four years of school plus a two-year professional degree or a five-year degree if you go for the BR um initially so like not only that but then you have to take all the tests so the the cost of the education plus the tests um plus the experience working in these firms that have these structures that are 
maybe complicit in um, the way they hire and the number of people that they include and the diversity that they're including. Um, I think that the whole system of licensure and practice is kind of based on these flawed principles. And, you know, elsewhere in the world, you see variations on licensure versus, I guess, like just professionalism or like how you're you're enabled to practice architecture. So I think that like I, I would change, not me, I don't have all the answers, but <laughs> I think that there are some, there are some big issues with like our whole education to practice pipeline right yeah uh, if you will yeah i couldn't agree more i think architects need to learn to value themselves if they want to be valued um and i think you know it's a taken advantage of thing it's kind of like you're taught even in studio that my time isn't worth like i can spend hours on this thing and it's just what it is and then instead of you know actually being accountable like no i'm gonna cut it off now and i should be paid for my time and just like an engineer and just like other services um it's not like an endless loop. And in the real world, it's not like that. You can't build like 24 hours a day on something. And it's a very collaborative process. Like you were saying, you're working with engineers. You're not doing everything at one time. So it would be great actually in school if you like did more like partner relationships with other disciplines, like with a structural engineer, mm-hmm. with like an MEP engineer, because that's actually what happens. So Yeah. Yeah. And I think that a lot of times they, they bill or they value the hours that you're working on something based on like that particular task versus I feel like other professions they're paid more based on like the all of the education that you've had so far and all of the experience that you've had so far is that it's that joke where it says like you're paying me more because I've studied for like eight years to do this in five minutes versus like oh it only takes five minutes to like do this thing right so it's not like aligned with with the amount of effort that takes to get to that to that level your base pay is just higher because of everything you've went through even if it doesn't take you that long (laughs) but yeah yeah and licensure is a hot mess too like how it's like very it's made for privileged people like you need to have so many things at your disposal the cost of exams the cost of resources the ability to take time off to study um it makes sense why no one wants to get licensed. Not no one wants to get licensed, but it's very it's hard for sure. It's hard because you you want to, but you don't want to support that system either. Yeah, <laughs> that's where I'm at. Yeah, it's like I don't want to give them any money, but I also want to be licensed. Yeah. And then the hiring process has its own own stuff too. So it's just one after another. Yeah. Yep. I, if there was one thing I wanted to say that I don't think I got to at any point in the podcast. But it's kind of a jumping off point. Um, I'd say the one piece of advice that I'd want to give everyone, recognizing that I'm saying this as a white man, um, is as far as like looking for jobs goes, architecture is kind of um, an interesting industry where there's some big firms with a bunch of offices around. But typically speaking, they're not going to have big internship programs. There's not a lot of uh, opportunities straight out of school to get put in one of these firms. So you kind of have to do a lot of the legwork yourself. Um, and what I've, what I've found that what I've seen from myself and seeing, you know, my classmates uh, go and get jobs and stuff is that waiting around for a job listing is, is not necessarily the best way to go. And what goes a lot farther is 
reaching out to the firms and just talking to them about their projects and kind of building a relationship out of nothing. Um, I think architecture is a unique industry in the fact that there's not really a set number of employees for each office. Like no one, no one has that number. No one's calculating that. What they see is what workload they have and whether they're managing it. And that can fluctuate so much that having a job listing on their website is just like it, it, it might be worth putting one out if they've been waiting for a while, but sometimes things come up randomly. So really putting yourself out there, calling people, talking to them. You don't have to call them asking for a job, but what you should do is call them and talk talk with them about your situation. Say, this is this is who I am. This is what I've done. This is what I'm interested in. Mm-hmm. Can you can we can we have a conversation about your office and your firm and what kind of projects you're working on? And just set that set that stage of like you know who I am. So when you do need someone to work on a project, maybe you'll reach out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I found that that's worked a whole lot better for me than anytime I've I've responded to a job listing. I just get no response. But if there are firms that I'm interested in and I can I can talk to someone in there, it's it's led to a lot more opportunities. So. Um, yeah, submitting an application into the abyss is like, or like a portal. It's like, you don't know where it's going and who's ever going to look at it. They might've listed it two years ago and forgot it was there. And like, I think (laughs) for sure, reaching out via email, they're like, oh wait, yeah, we are really busy right now. And so true that there's no like specific head count. Yeah. Put put your foot in the door. Don't wait for someone to open it. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I think it even, um, is easier to do that when you're in school because you can, give the the, like you're not actively right now like i need a job you're like hey i'm in school i've been you know taking these classes i'm interested in this kind of stuff and i want to hear more about your firm because later on you might want an opportunity there so i think that when you're in school you have a little bit more like excuse to get in touch with people yeah absolutely um well colin do you have any advice before we wrap up no, I think that what Tim said really factors into what I was saying before about just taking every opportunity you can and just really going for it, just like really being unapologetic for who you are and what you want to do um, and just asking for opportunities. Um, I, again, like I guess, uh, you know, I, like I'm a male saying this and I obviously have more like, I don't know, there's there's definitely factors that work in my favor, but just asking for an opportunity isn't going to kill you. It's not going to hurt anybody and closed mouths don't get fed. So like, just send it, like, just ask for an opportunity, ask for more money, see what happens. You know, like there's, we, even though this industry is like, I feel like it's a relatively small industry um, in America, uh, comparatively speaking to some other practices that you could be involved in. um, There's plenty of opportunities, you know, so just ask for them. Totally agree. We always say that too over here. We're like, ask for what you want. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> you already have a no. The worst thing that can happen yeah. is everything stays the same. <laughs> exactly. 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 If you never ask, it would be the same as if you did and yeah, got the right. response. So Yeah. Well, I think that's a very well, positive note to end on. <laughs> very motivational. Yep. Thank you guys so much. Um, we're so happy to have this conversation, to hear more about you guys, what you're doing and your perspectives. Um, I really enjoyed catching up and I hope that listeners have really enjoyed this conversation as well. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having us. This has been super fun. 
thank you so much for inviting us on. This has been a great conversation. Thank you.